Hello, welcome to Women Developing Brilliance. I'm your host, Casey Rossi. It's my great pleasure to present interesting stories of creative women sharing their message and lighting up the world with their presence and offerings. Get ready to be inspired. You can learn more about creating a business that you love by visiting kcrossi.com. Enjoy! My guest today is Nicoletta Mira. She is a career confidence coach, and her um, company is called Poise to Shine. I absolutely love that name. And Nicoletta, I can't think of a better person to represent Italy than you. I am so excited to have you on the podcast. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you. That's super, super kind. I'm excited to be here as well. So it's like, yay. And happy to be here with you, especially. Uh, That's awesome. That's awesome. So tell me what brought you kind of to the career and the confidence world. Like, what was your backstory that brought you here? So I have a background in management and career development coaching, but that's in the corporate environment. Mm -hmm. And uh, through the years uh, doing that job uh, and with my own developing my own self-awareness, I realized that if I could pick just one thing, just one thing of that job that I could do every day for the rest of my life, um, that was about career confidence coaching. And uh, that's what I did uh, kind of a, a year ago and when I moved uh, into my own business uh, and I created it. So I'm very excited. That's amazing. So did you have a personal connection? Like I know that you've traveled a lot in your past and you've had issues. You've talked about where like when you first moved to the UK and you didn't understand the language, I would love it if you could share with our listeners a little bit about your own personal experience with confidence and also like fear that just naturally arises when we're in new uh, situations and experiences that maybe inspired you to be a leader now in this space. Absolutely. And uh, yeah, look, you are really spot on um, uh, because uh, when I moved, so I moved to UK and I was 19, um, 20. Um, and English is not my first language, clearly. And I remember that it was a huge stretch, a huge stepping out of my comfort zone. Um, because honestly, I wasn't very good in English. I started, I moved to UK and initially it was supposed to be a three months vacation with my best friends. And oh, wow. Quickly, yeah. And I quickly transformed into a lifetime kind of choice. Um, uh, and I remember that I felt uh, dumber. I felt a bit more stupid in, uh, in English because, of course, I didn't have all the vocabulary. I didn't have all the knowledge that I had in Italian. And uh, um, it took a while for me to step, really, to step it up because I felt that if I really wanted to achieve something, I needed to get out of my shell. I couldn't just play safe because I was limiting my career. I was limiting also my friendships because, you know, if you don't show your real personality, people don't get to know you and then all your relationships are very shallow so that was something that really triggered me and to to um, dig deeper into what confidence really was because uh, um, up until that point uh, I was fairly you know friendly person outgoing and then I found myself instead going more into my shell and I realized that the only way that I had to gain confidence was actually putting myself out there and practicing something that was a bit uncomfortable, which at the time was speaking English. And wow. that in a way, yeah. <laughs> um, but that in a way 
kind of represented itself even when I started my own business because you see you're stepping outside of your comfort zone you're going more public and you know lives uh, and and things like that and I had to just remember and go back to basics on why am I doing it and uh, um, the fact that I need to get people to, to see the real me. And the real me is someone who is Italian speaking English with an Italian accent. And <laughs> so here I am. And uh, um, but that helped me as well to mm. during my work in uh, um, time as manager in an international company to be able to connect, uh, you know, with people from all over the world that were communicating in English, where English was not their first language. So I could really connect and help them as well to develop their career even if they were outside of their comfort zone. Yeah, absolutely. Wow. You said so many good things in that. Like you're right. Stepping out of the comfort zone is such a big, important part, not only in life, but as a solopreneur and all the different things that we're challenged to do. I kind of chuckled inside when you said that, because I'm like, when you said, you know, we have to step out of the comfort zone when we're in our own business. And I was thinking, yeah, only on a daily, you know, I mean, it's something that we have to do like every single day. Like at least in my world, it's just like every single day, it's just like, okay. And uh, I have a colleague and he always says like wherever the fear is follow the fear because that's an opportunity for personal growth and so I Absolutely. think about that often you know like when I start procrastinating something that feels a little bit intimidating I'm just like okay follow the fear there's growth oh. to be had there <laughs> yes but you know about that uh, I'm uh, when I do my task list um, uh, I, I think there was uh, um, a big kind uh, of uh, planner that I was using at the time. Honestly, I don't remember the name. I need to look into it, but it was about pulling the weed. And uh, um, that was the concept. So to identify the things that, you know, we are keep postponing over and over again, and uh, it called it pulling the weed. Ooh, I so, like that. Yes, me too, because I realized that there were things that I was carrying, you know, from one week to another, and uh, they were heavy on my mind. I didn't have to do that. So instead, now I identify them quickly and I try to do them as fast as possible so that I get rid of them. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. I really like having that consciousness for sure. I can't even imagine um, coming into a new place is kind of scary and almost intimidating in itself, but I can't even imagine not having it be your primary language. There's a whole nother layer and a whole nother learning curve and maybe a barrier, but I really want to lift you up for just like taking that barrier and turning it around because you've actually used that experience from your past learning lesson as fuel to what you do now. And it sounds like it's obviously your passion. You help a lot of people turn this around. So I think that's pretty amazing. You know, what probably felt like a massive struggle or like, oh my gosh, can I do this? Did you ever think I know sometimes during the middle of that chaos, we don't think of that, but what was the trajectory for you before you realized like, wow, I've actually overcome something and now I'm going to pivot and create something out of that experience? Well, um, it happened because uh, I was helping uh, so many, um, especially women, I have to say, um, battling their own uh, kind of mind monkeys, you know, their own inner critics. And uh, they were so harsh on themselves. Uh, and I realized that I was doing the same with myself, you know, when it comes to um, the language, but also could be, you know, success and how do we measure success and so on. And at the time, when it came to the specific of the language, even in my career in the corporate, 
every time that I had to do a presentation and, you know, there was a board of execs and someone who was American, so English as the first language, I always went back a bit to why am I doing this and do I really want to step so much outside of my comfort zone? And I realized that if I wasn't doing that, then, you know, I could not have really, in all honesty, help anyone else because when with my direct report, I really try to help them, you know, develop their career and go forward and go after their dreams. But if I will stop myself, you know, from doing that, then I will not be a very honest coach. And, yeah, and that so actually helped me a lot. And so, so really, true. Yes, yeah. absolutely. What common thread do you see with the women that you help? Um, is there a consistent mind monkey? Is there a clone out there that just keeps jumping from woman to woman that, that holds back? <laughs> <laughs> well, the thing is, uh, uh, yes, there is, unfortunately. Um, I call it the confidence gap, you know, because we pay, we talk a lot about pay gap and uh, uh, wage gap and so on, which is, you know, um, fair enough. But I realized that the main cause, I would say 98% of the time, is definitely the confidence gap because we, as women, sometimes uh, hold ourselves back. We want to feel prepared 100% before we apply for a job, before we um, uh, even consider <laughs> uh, changing career, before we open a business. And uh, that level of perfectionism and preparation that we have, it's great because we have a lot of fantastic, competent women out in the world, but unfortunately, it's not plain um, in their favor. Mm -hmm. And uh, every time that uh, um, I see that type of behavior, that type of uh, I'm not good enough or I need to do another course, I need to be 100%. And that's really yes. the thing. Um, oh my gosh, you hit that right on the head. You are so, so correct in that. Uh, it's the hundred percent thing or the, let me learn something else. Let me get another credential. I see this over and over again with my woman clients. I fell prey to that as well. For years, I was on a course carousel. How about another certificate? Finish that year program. Let me get another certificate. And you're right. The, the fear and the self doubt holds us back when we think that we need more credentials and that couldn't be farther from the truth. So you hit that so, so clearly. I remember hearing something, and I probably have the statistics wrong because it's been a while, but I remembered hearing that um, when they did a study and they tested the difference between men applicants and women applicants, and when men applied for a job, if they had somewhere around 50% of the credentials of what the position was looking for, they would put their, their hat in the ring. Women needed 90 plus percent before they felt yes. comfortable enough to put an application in. That blew my mind, and I think that that is such a tell. It really dovetails into exactly what you just shared. It is, it is, and uh, uh, so I experienced it myself first uh, during my career. Every time I wanted to apply for a promotion, you know, um, I was really scrutinizing every single thing, every single detail. Um, have I done this? Have I done enough of that? And uh, even up to last year, last year I did a diploma in uh, um, HR management. And honestly, I didn't want to go into HR, <laughs> but I felt the need to understand better <laughs> the mechanics and so on. And in the end, you know, um, I, I saw with so many clients uh, um, that they are good enough uh, and they could 
totally, you know, uh, apply for some positions or consider at least uh, um, um, to, to do the jump or to ask for that promotion. Mm-hmm. But they don't, they're not able to translate very well what they have done, the type of experience with the um, uh, needs of the job. And uh, in this case, uh, actually, I even did a podcast episode on that, which is the Wonder Woman syndrome. <laughs> Ooh, oh, good. I'll link yeah. to that. That's awesome. <laughs> Because um, I was looking at uh, another manager at the time, and she did look like Wonder Woman in my eyes. You know, as in the the right blend of friendliness and competency and uh, leadership. And I was like, "Wow, how is she doing that? She's amazing. I want, you know, I want to know that." And when I talked to her, she was like. I don't know what you're talking about. I'm just doing my best. And sometimes I have no clue what I'm doing, but you know, I just keep going. And I was like, I can't believe it. She Mm. looks so confident. And uh, that helped me a lot because I realized that I was trying to find the perfect mix, the perfect blend to be the perfect leader or the perfect coach. And in the end, there is no such a thing. So you know, winning the done is better, you know, yes. the perfect. that's so true. And we need to do it for ourselves though. That's such a good message. And you know, what, what appears on the outside to be like all put together and buttoned up and perfectly confident. And it's easy for them. When you peel back the layers, we all have those same fears and emotional, you know, like situations that some of us have worked longer and harder at it. But I think like you've always said, like you weren't born confident, right? These are learned Mm -hmm. skills. And I remember like with the the singer and the actress Cher, where she looks like the epitome of confidence and beauty and success. And then when you listen to her backstory, when she says like, even to this day, she feels like she wants to puke before she goes on stage to perform. It's mind blowing. It's really mind blowing. And and millions of people like try to, (laughs) you know, look like her, act like her, whatever. But it's so, so interesting. So I would love it if you could share a tip for our listeners that are struggling with confidence and this all sounds great, but how can we boil it down and distill it to a practical tip? Like what can you offer someone that's like, that sounds great, but I don't know. I've struggled with this my whole life. How could I possibly become confident? So confidence is born from competency. Okay, so it doesn't, it's not born from uh, waking up one morning. Okay, that doesn't mean to discourage you or discourage your audience. Um, it's actually encouraging because it means that the only thing, the only thing that you need to do to develop your confidence is actually acting, is uh, do, doing something, even if you don't do it well, but do it consistently because that consistency will bring that competency. And the moment that you hit competency, even if only in one area of your life, then you start to feel more confident because you are confident in your ability to be able to develop those skills. And that's really the trick. First, and maybe some of you already are confident in one specific area of their life, but they haven't discovered yet how to translate that confidence there in another area. And uh, I noticed that the moment that people start seeing that progress, that ability that they have, because we all have it to develop and improve and get better, then they start feeling more confident because they know that they can do it. And uh, there is a, 
it connects as well to the perfectionism, you know, that yes. we've done before. We want to do something and to do it well immediately because if we are not doing it well, we are not good or it's not for us. That's not how it works. If you want to run a marathon, at the beginning, probably you're not going to be very good, okay? And the stamina is going to be low, and I can attest to this. Uh, <laughs> but that's how it is, right? But then you need to start building up, and every time you can challenge yourself a bit more and a bit more until you are there. But you cannot just decide that tomorrow you're going to go for the Olympics because that's not how it works. Yes. And it's the same with confidence. And Such a powerful message. I love that you brought it down. Like as soon as you had said um, that confidence is correlated to competency, you read my mind because I first went back to the perfectionism thing like, oh, well, I need to do more and be more in order to be competent. But then when you went a little bit deeper into that, we are all having talents and, and successes and um, a competency in some area of our life. So I love that you said that. How can you translate or how do you kind of help people navigate with bridging that so they see the benefits of like, wow, whether you rock it as a mom, whether you're an amazing best friend and you listen better than anybody or, you know, whatever it happens to be, maybe it's not a competency in business just yet. If you're just starting out, that's fine. But I'm wondering how you help translate a personal competency into that professional competency to show that correlation. So two different ways, okay? The first one is to identify those strengths because a lot of people might not even see them. They might take them for granted. What you said about being a good friend and some of them might just say, well, I'm a good friend, but they don't realize that maybe they have great interpersonal skills or they have a, a high emotional intelligence. So those are the type of strengths that we can really identify and narrow it down and see where they can use as well the same strengths in other areas. Um, I love to go for the quick wins initially, um, not because uh, I don't have uh, um, faith in my clients, but because I need them to see first that they can do something and that mm. they are good at something. So it's a mix of strengths and uh, advocacy because the moment that as well they can talk about themselves in a positive way, recognizing those strengths that you know I just mentioned, they start seeing themselves in a different way. Um, I know that you know this already, but your story matters. How you tell your story matters a lot because we define our world with our words. So if, uh, and that's an example, you know, connected as well to the uh, mind monkeys. If I say I'm not good enough, I'm already putting myself down and I'm being overall negative about myself. But if I say, I'm not good enough yet. That suddenly, even that yet is changing uh, the story, is changing the time frame. It means that, well, okay, I can do that in the future. So that's one part. And the other thing is that I do use in um, my coaching um, CBT, so cognitive behavioral therapy, because uh, um, some parts of that. Uh, First of all, helped me personally, mm. helped uh, a lot of my clients, and uh, it's still connected to reframe the narrative, reframing your story, um, and, and that's key. So 
there is the practical application that it's a key to actually make any coaching successful yes. because without it it's all mindset and it looks very nice but <laughs> there is the part about it. it needs to be applied so yes. um, i think Absolutely. in that with that combo you know everyone is going to be successful because yes. It was. For sure. Yeah, for sure. I like that you broke it down like that. And I have two questions. One, for listeners that aren't familiar with CBT, could you give a, an example so they can just have some contextual feeling about that? Absolutely. So um, a very simple example. Let's say that uh, some days we don't want to go out, right? Your friend calls you and you're just sitting there and you're like, ah, I might just watch Netflix. Guilty as charged, right? Uh, but you're feeling a bit down. So you're like, uh, it's, a, it's a vicious circle, right? You're feeling a bit down, you're tired, you want to stay home. So which part are forming that moment for you? And those are your thoughts, your feelings, and your actions. So your thoughts, you might be tired because you had a, a crappy day at work, right? Or anything like that. Your feelings, you feel divided between, oh, should I go out, should I stay? You know, very simple. We all go through that. And then your actions. So right now you're sitting on the sofa, but actually those are the only thing that you can control mm -hmm. and that you can change in the moment. You cannot change immediately your feelings or your thoughts. What you can change are, you know, getting up, replying to the text and say, yes, I'm going to go and do it. And you might have a great time that evening and you might have a lot of fun. And then suddenly your feelings and your thoughts are attuning to what you have done. I love it. And, uh, <laughs> um, and I use this a lot as well during my coaching because um, we focus so much on how we feel and believe me I'm a very sensitive person so I understand when people say I feel down I don't feel well or I don't feel comfortable with something 100% however I can't directly change that there is no button that I can press to immediately change it but the action that's something we can work with. Yeah, know, such a good example. Yeah, thank you for framing it like that. That's really easy to understand and such a good example. My second question mm -hmm. is, when you're talking about emotional intelligence and like skill sets and personality traits and, and that part of the puzzle, do you have a favorite kind of quantifier or tool? I know that there's DISC and Enneagram and a lot of other EI tools. Do you have one that you personally like or gravitate to for your work? Yes, actually. <laughs> Thank you. Um, so I'm a big fan of DISC, so that's, that's very useful. But the one that I love using the most um, is called The Strength Finder. There is even a book, if people yeah. are interested, they can look for it. The Strength Finder 2.0 is out at the moment, and uh, it's a quick analysis of uh, your top five strengths. And uh, for instance, uh, one of my uh, strengths uh, is being a maximizer. Nice. That means that, uh, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, but that means that I love to maximize um, uh, on, uh, and, and capitalize on strengths. So instead of focusing so much on the weakness, um, I focus on what you are already doing well and how we can amplify that and how we can do that more. And uh, I use it for my own career because... Uh, 
for a long time, and that goes back once again to the language, I kept focusing on the fact that, you know, English was not my first language, I needed to improve it more, and so on. And I wasn't really focusing on my strengths, which were training was one of my strengths, uh, presentation, so public speaking, all that type of thing. And uh, until I worked on those strengths, uh, my career was kind of at a standpoint, mm-hmm. and instead suddenly things open up and um, in because you feel more comfortable and then we close the circle yeah stuff that you're good at such so, good stuff <laughs> so so good I love it I'm wondering like and maybe this is so far out of the spectrum but do you have any uh, clients that have a fear like you you talk about being sensitive and I think that when you're talking to perfectionist women I think that 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 heightened sensitivity is a very common factor. It's a common denominator. And I'm wondering in that sensitivity, is there any fear that if they become too much of their own advocate or they become too confident that there's going to be like an imbalance and maybe it's going to flip from insecurity to ego? Have you ever had any experience like that or clients that are like, oh my gosh, am I going to look cocky if I do this? It's mostly um, the fear to be pushy, to be um, to come across as bossy, and yeah. uh, because uh, the examples that at times they saw of someone adopting that behavior was not positive, so they attributed a negative connotation to you know being uh, pushy. It's not about being pushy; it's about being assertive. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think the difference uh, on. Uh, the reasons why someone is assertive um, changes completely the game. Because if someone is assertive for themselves, uh, for their own rights, for their own um, uh, advocating for their own successes, uh, that's great. Of course, if they're pushy to get ahead in a bit on uh, an ethical way, that's, that's a big no-no. But that's the part that our client, well, my clients, and I think in a way, um, I guess is yours as well, um, need to realize is that if they come from good intentions, uh, and as long as they know why they're acting in a specific way, and the message is clear, because that's the basic of any communication, right? Yes. Then they will not be misunderstood. They will not be taken as someone um, acting with bad intention or in a negative way. They will be respected and appreciated for the value that they bring to the table. Yeah, so, so true. And that brings up um, the thought that most of the time I see what you're talking about in my clients for the fear of being salesy or sleazy when you talk about being pushy. Um, because I tend to work with like solopreneurs that just have their own endeavor. That is where I see where that emotional piece that you're talking about in, they're afraid to push a sale, even close a sale. They're just like, okay, well, here's my thing. I hope you like it. Bye. You know, like they just many times, like that's a, that's a stumbling block for sure. And I think that what you said exactly, when you talk about the assertiveness and understanding the value, it really also goes back to what you talked about with your own career, knowing if you couldn't get out of your own way or push yourself out of the comfort zone a little bit, that you were only going to be limiting your career and also not being able to touch and help as many people as you do now, unless you were standing in that leadership role. Sales is very similar. Like As soon as you make that mental flip, that if I don't present this offer and highlight the values, then my client is, it's, I'm actually doing a disservice because they're not going to be able to benefit from my product and service that I know is going to be able to help solve their problem. 
And that's so true. And I have to say, especially for women, we try to look uh, um, to look for ways to help others. You know, even before we help ourselves. And uh, um, I realized this when I was coaching as well managers uh, that often they didn't want to push, you know, too much, push with the boss, manage the boss too much. But when we reframed it in the way of if they were appreciated, if they were well respected, if they had um, a good standing, even, you know, with their own boss, how, um, how they could impact the life of their own direct employees mm. because they could a lot. Suddenly they could advocate for, um, uh, you know, extra projects, extra things that would be beneficial for the direct employees. And then you know, automatically they, that made them work harder. They wanted them to have that achievement because it helped the people depending from them. And uh, I mm. love that because uh, sometimes uh, for us, uh, and even as a business owner, I realized this initially as well. I was uh, struggling with uh, reframing my competencies <laughs> because I'm very experienced as a coach, but I wasn't very experienced as a business owner. Mm-hmm. And uh, I had to go through the realization that it's okay, you know, to not be perfect or not to be experienced in everything because. You can uh, draw strength from the areas you're already good at. Yeah, and, I love uh, that you're saying that. That really will help so many people because we all have at least one thing. And if we can't think of that one thing, then we just go to the trusted person in our inner circle and they'd be, I'm sure, more than happy to reflect that that strength that we have. And I think that once you can look at that and you amplify it, and I really liked how you correlated the other thing, like a best friend If you're thinking about that from a personal standpoint, you may be like, well, there's nothing, you know, so I'm a good friend. But I love that you're like, oh, well, that means interpersonal skills. That means you might be good in HR. That means there's like so many ways that you can correlate that. So I think that that could be such a helpful exercise for people to, you know, journal out their strengths or have that reflected back to them and then see how it bridges over into their work life, you know, because there's all these commonalities that's, it's really interesting. I love it. I just, I love that stuff. (laughs) I I love it as well. Look, I geek out on these things. Me too. (laughs) Me too. And one final thing I wanted to chat about is I was, I loved your last blog post about feedback. And feedback not being personal. And I liked that you said that during one of your interviews, you were told that you were too nice. And I just made me like totally like just, I love that you shared that. And if you could just talk a little bit about the highlights of that experience and also how you were able to turn it around into another lesson. Absolutely. So, uh, well, yeah, it's funny. It still makes me laugh, honestly. Um, but the thing was, uh, I was applying for a team manager position at the time. And the, the interviewer really, it was an internal application. So she knew me. And uh, at the end, she was really honest. And she was like, look, I think you are too nice. And you are too kind. Because, uh, um, and her main concern was that I couldn't handle the tough conversations necessary, honestly, when you're managing sure. uh, direct reports. And uh, for me, that was sh- shocking in the moment because uh, I, I'm not saying that I'm not nice. I am nice, but <laughs> I also knew that I faced a lot of tough conversations and that was one of my strengths. And I realized mm-hmm. in that moment that uh, there was a disconnection, right? Between uh, what this person saw of me and what 
I solve myself. And uh, honestly, uh, in other moments and for other interviews, I took things in a very different way. I was uh, taking it more personally. But then mm-hmm. I realized that uh, um, the, the job, you know, during an interview is to make sure that people see or view what's really important. So feedback, when, when I said it's about the other person, it really is. But not because they're not listening to you. It's because through that feedback, they can show you what's important to them. Yes. And that can go, right? That can go even for smaller things. If you are talking to your friend and you're like, I don't really like that dress. Does it mean that it's a bad dress? No, it doesn't. It just means that you don't like it. And uh, when it goes to interviews and high stakes pitching, right? You are talking to a client, you're pitching for a, a corporate gig. Well, the point is that what are the priorities of the person you're talking to? And then either you try to uh, adapt or the best approach, which I strongly recommend, in is uh, decide before that interview, before the big gig to um, what do you want them to see about you what do you want them to know about you and prepare accordingly that's hard no yeah and but look it took me a while okay to, to get, <laughs> and and I think it took me this weird case of someone and I'm, I'm really thankful by the way to her and then after we became very good friends and because um I, it really took me um, that moment of realization of uh, I'm saying something, but this person is getting it in a different way. So yes. my message is not clear. My examples didn't show what I wanted them to show. So I need to go back to the drawing board, analyze how I'm presenting myself, how I'm saying the things that I'm saying, and then, you know, start from there. And um, awesome. And I love that because, yeah. and, you know, and it works and it works for my clients and it works, uh, you know, for a lot of people in different situations, not necessarily just job interviews, um, as yeah, business owners, right? Feedback. Absolutely. No, it's, I love that you said it's, it, it applies to so many other things because immediately I was thinking this completely translates to the feedback on social media because yeah. as women in business, right, many of us have to be out there. If not all of us, a lot of us don't embrace it, but, um, um, it's really suggested to really, you know, have an online presence. And I think when you open yourself up in that way, whether it's like you mentioned before with the Facebook lives, whether it's a podcast, mm-hmm. whether it's a YouTube channel, whether it's, you know, an Instagram post or a story, uh, all of that is subject to feedback. And yes. maybe some of it's going to be framed in a positive way. And maybe somebody is going to be criticizing your lipstick color. Like you're just, you don't know. Like it's something that you're just open to, um, to feedback and there could be a lot of different things. So I really love the fact that you talk about it's not personal, but also how you can mentally set yourself up for success. How do you want to show up? What are the things that you're trying to communicate? What are the highlights of your message? You know, and also if there is feedback that just doesn't maybe resonate, how can you learn from that? You know, yes. how can you show up better next time or different? And some of it, maybe we just filter away. But I think that it's a really great example that translates into several different arenas. I think just the online presence is one of them. But I think that's amazing. So I would Thank love you. it if you could share how people can get a hold of you to learn more about Poise to Shine and all the things that you do over in Italy and across the world. 
Thank you. So um, my website is definitely the hub. Uh, you can find uh, poisetoshine.com. Uh, there I share my blog, my podcast, and uh, also some free resources you might be interested in. Nice. And then uh, I invite you, if you're interested, there is my Facebook group, um, the Confidence Tribe. So I love that because there I am more present. Of course, I answer questions. I do some free masterclasses in my group. And mm. uh, I love the sense of community. That's something that, uh, honestly, I do it more for myself <laughs> because mm. uh, I love to, to have that direct contact as well with people and uh, to pay it forward as much as possible. Yeah, I love it. That's amazing. I love that you're teaching women how to be their own advocate and how to really dig deep and find their own confidence because I think that once you master that, and of course it's not a one and done, but once you have the tools, it your yeah. whole life can change, not only professionally, but personally. It's such an amazing trait. So I love that you're bringing this work to the world. It's absolutely incredible. And thank you so much for your time. If you could leave you. A, a moment of bright light wisdom, what would you like to leave our listeners before we wrap up? So I want to tell you that you are worthy of achieving your dreams. Uh, no matter the mistakes you've made in the past, no matter the things that you could have done better and then in the end you didn't do or the missed opportunities, um, you deserve to have a career that you love and we are lucky we live in amazing times filled with opportunities. So give yourself permission to be imperfect and still deserving to achieve your dreams. Hmm. Okay. I got the chills. Awesome. Wonderful, wonderful note to wrap this up. I will share your links in the show notes. And again, my friend, thank you so much for joining us on Women Developing Brilliance. Thank you. Bye-bye. I hope you enjoyed today's episode on Women Developing Brilliance. If so, head over to Apple iTunes and subscribe to this podcast. And... I'd be grateful if you could leave a review or rating so more people can benefit from these inspirational stories about the solopreneur journey. Thank you.